Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the 14th, or excuse me, the 16th day of January 2014. And I'll be live here for the next hour. Um, your host and shepherd trying to navigate you through this crazy world that we live in. And um, guys, what an interesting it's funny, every time I, um, I'm going to run a show, I always kind of, I guess, mull over what the heck I'm going to talk about, because it's really unscripted. I, I have a couple of news articles that I read. I talk about my experiences and have conversations with, uh, with fellow podcasters and people that are guests, and so it's pretty much off the cuff for the most part, but um, man, there is just way too much crap going on. And um, let's start with let's start with at the home front. Let's just start right here. So Obama made the statement a couple of days ago, which um, I said on my show on Tuesday, that um, that he's just gonna have to um, he might have to start doing stuff on his own, guys. You know, Congress isn't getting stuff done. That's what they're there for to get stuff done. And actually, once again, if you read and understand history, um, Congress is supposed to not pass a bunch of laws, because the more laws you pass, the more freedom you can take away. So, you know, we had a good playbook, we had a good, you know, framework of what um, of what freedom and liberty could be, and now we're probably the furthest thing from it. We're slowly sliding to a authoritarian police state, which nobody can really deny that with the... Um, with the wakes of the beatings that just happened and the verdict of the of the two police um, police officers that were acquitted of murder after a 20 minute um, 20 minute beatdown of a homeless guy as they were sitting on top of him and he was saying stop quit I, I give up I, I you know I surrender I surrender so you know that's that's the part of society that really scares me. The part of society that doesn't want to to join humanity and, and really start taking responsibility for their own actions and for for their own society, which is what I try to do here and which is what I try to promote you guys to do. You know, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. I try to give you tidbits of information, jumping off points, if you will, things that I've read, things that I've studied, and experiences that I've had to get you on your own track for liberty and freedom. And whether we do it through through government or or as most of us would believe that um, government can do a, a lot more damage than it can do than it can do good, um, especially in the in the modern sense, then um, then you really have to start evaluating how you personify yourself and how you present yourself to the world, and what kind of conversations you're having in order to make change. Because that's what this show's about. This show's not about getting up here and, and me blowing a gasket and talking about how crazy the world is and how bad the world sucks because everybody knows that the world is absolutely bonkers and getting crazier by the minute as we immerse ourselves in technology and pull ourselves away from the basic human activity that makes us human beings, it makes us a society, and it makes us a, a nation state, it, it really does um, leave a lot to be desired. So... Just be mindful of what you're doing. Be mindful of the, the information that you're putting out. Be mindful of the interactions that you're having with your fellow humans. We need to come together because the way that this thing is going, if you've studied history, and um, a lot of people that have read my show, or read my show, good Lord, a lot of people that listen to the podcast and, um, and write you know, emails to me that, um, that repost my articles and things like that, they understand. They've known history. They, they've seen this stuff before. So it doesn't take a lot of research, but it just takes a lot of, a lot of um, I guess, 
I got to pause for the cause, I guess you will. Pause and think to yourself, is this the route that we really want to be going down? And I think that a lot of us would agree it's not. Having somebody like Barack Obama get up and and stating that he's going to have to start doing things outside of Congress is absolutely terrifying. Not because I'm terrified of Obama himself. I'm more terrified of the precedents that it's going to set. It will set a precedent that that the president can act unilaterally, which he can quasi under executive orders, but those can always be redacted and you know, it's it's not it's not as cut and dry and it's not as dictatorial as people would like to make it out to be. But it's still setting a bad precedent. You know, setting up the next person. And as Lee Camp said in one of his videos and one of, um, I guess one of my, my cyber friends, uh, Lee Camp, said in one of his videos, you know, even if the NSA was, even if we had, you know, the you know, Mother Teresa running the government, the NSA and the way that we have the establishment set up and using the office of the presidency to become a dictatorship or to become the single point of, um, of control that really does set up for a tyrant. I'm not saying Obama is a tyrant because we don't know. But what we do know is that the administration that he has in place leaves a lot to be desired. Now let's face it, the the global kleptocracy, the corporatists thought that he was going to be a great frontman for them, that he was going to get stuff done for Wall Street, which he did. He got a lot of stuff done for Wall Street. He um, He basically virtually bailed out the insurance racket by uh, passing Obamacare, which has been the biggest calamity ever, and not that I was expecting anything from a from a government-run um, exchange. You know, nothing that ever goes through um, nothing that ever goes through government really gets better. It typically gets worse and mismanaged, and um, you always have theft and and um, and those types of things. Not to say that doesn't go on in the private sector, but much more so um, when you're talking about government agents. So he had the bailout for the insurance companies through Obamacare, which for those of you that haven't figured out yet, yep, it's a big screw job. It's a big scam. Yet we can repeal it, but then we'd have to have a Congress that wants to actually do something, and um, I think they're too worried about getting reelected right now. But once they get reelected, then we'll start seeing true colors of everyone. But... Um, the things that really scare me are stuff like the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And with Obama saying that he can act unilaterally, and I said this um, on Tuesday, but need to reiterate it, and this needs to become a meme, and it needs to become, you know, um, I want to hear it, um, I guess, repeated, not necessarily verbatim, but I do want to hear it repeated on other shows on um, Liberty Movement Radio and, and other outlets where people are, are talking about freedom and trying to, you know, conserve what little shreds of the republic we do have left and what little shreds of freedom we do have left here. You know, I'm watching videos every day of, of cops coming up to people and threatening to arrest them for filming them when, when they can film you when they pull you over. It's, it, there's no perception of, of privacy in public. But um, for some reason, when, when they get into a position of authority, and it's not everyone, you know, you do have a few bad apples that spoil the whole bunch, but... You, you, as as officers, as um, as fellow quote unquote brethren or whatever you want to call yourself, you're still you're still citizens at the end of the day, and you need to start holding these jokers accountable, and holding them accountable in the public spotlight, so that the citizens like myself know that you guys are doing something about this internally, and you're not letting people run wild and beat the hell out of somebody for 20 minutes and kill them, and then get get acquitted, and then everything's cookies. It's not how it's supposed to work. You know, liberty and justice for all is not just a slogan. It should be the way that we live our lives here. But the but the real problem is is that you know everybody wants liberty and everybody wants freedom, but nobody wants to really pay for it. You know, everybody wants somebody else to do it. And that's why I always encourage everybody that listens to my podcast to get out there and do some sort of activism, some sort of um, some sort of uh, I guess um, act of civil disobedience. Not to say that you have to be um, civilly disobedient in order to get your point across, but hey, if it takes you getting out there with a sign and, and getting a bunch of cops to pull up to you for waving a sign like what happened to me, then do it. Don't be afraid. What are they going to do? Arrest you for waving a sign? No. See, we have to assert our rights, otherwise you get trampled. It's a very, very simple equation. So 
that's my lesson in activism tonight, and I do want to get into some news because we do have a lot of stuff to get to. But once again, everybody, you're only as free as you're allowed to be. And right now we're not allowed to be free, so you have to assert your rights. And your rights are there. Believe me, they're there. But you have to assert them, and you have to know what you're talking about, and you can't be afraid. Meanwhile, getting back to what I was saying before, if Obama takes this – because we know how he does, and let's just face it. Once again, I'm not trying to pile on on Obama. Believe me, I'm not trying to because it really really dissipates – the actual message of what I'm trying to get across for the show, and that's that that the ruling class uh, elects people like Obama, or they anoint people like Obama and on Hillary and Chris Christie to run against each other, so you have the false choice. Quigley talks about it in his book. He talks about it in Tragedy and Hope, where he says that the bankers don't want to leave. The internationalists don't want to leave it up to the politicians because – because the politicians are just – number one, they're too stupid. They're too untrusting, and he said that they, they just have no faith in, in that kind of system. So they give you the false choice. They give you the, the Republican and Democrat, but each one of them is going to just push the status quo, and, and that's the problem. The status quo is the enemy, and, and hopefully if you're listening to this show, if you're talking to your friends, explain to them what the status quo is, how, how it affects their daily life. And it's the mentality of the selfish nature of the American people that believe that somebody else will do it. Well, unfortunately, that's the mantra you guys have had for the past 30 years, and guess what? Now, I've inherited this crap. My friends have inherited it, and we're all trying to step up to the plate and do something. And it's now it's your turn to step up to the plate and do something, and everybody. You have to do something. You have to strike up a conversation. Get out of your comfort zone. This is the time to get uncomfortable. Stuff, stuff that you know that government's doing and and acting like that's completely normal is is extremely uncomfortable. Ah, they beat this guy for twenty minutes on, on a, on a camera, and he was homeless, and you know they were sitting on him, and you know absolutely killed him. But you know whatever, they're fine. You, you guys can go free. I mean, listen, L.A., where the hell are you guys at now? Some guy gets beaten on camera out in L.A. You guys torch half the city. You know, some other guy gets beat for 20 minutes, and it's like, ah, well, you know, it's just the way it is. So once again, you are only as free as you believe that you are. And right now we are we're acting like a bunch of slaves. So let's get on to um, let's get on to some good stuff here. Now that we've touched on Obama, remember Trans-Pacific Partnership. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, I do have new listeners every week, and thank you for the new listeners. And thank you also to the people that share the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And um, follow me on Twitter. Uh, we are not cattle the number one. You can um, find my links to Facebook and YouTube through the website wearenotcattle.net. And I actually did post the show notes from last uh, podcast. So if you have any questions or comments about any of the articles that I posted, you can um, be sure to go there and um, see them for yourself. And uh, once again, just want to make it a resource for you, um, as well as a, a as a dialogue starter for anybody that is um, that is into this kind of information and really wants to understand. Um, how the world works, because we're trying the best we can to decipher how the world works and then give it to you in little tidbits. And you know, I can't do all the research for you; otherwise, we'd run you know six-hour podcasts every day. But you know, read some books for yourself. Turn off the television. Go um go enlighten yourself, and um, always listen to some good music. That always helps me. Helps to center me. So anyway, speaking of being centered, uh, the NSA now collects millions of text messages daily in a untargeted global sweep. People, I don't mean to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but really. Oh, by the way, um, if you want to watch an incredible video um, on on my homepage, uh, it's under what the NSA is really doing. And if you're not really technically savvy, um, post some quotes in either Facebook or shoot me some quotes on Twitter, and I'll get you the clarification. But um, there's a there's an article by a uh, or excuse me, there's a presentation by a security guru that um, gave a presentation for WikiLeaks that's an investigative journalist that basically breaks down everything that the NSA is doing. And, um, dude, you might as well just uh, – you might as well have your toaster on the internet. They got everything. And they run it through a computer, and then the computer scans it, and then it sends it to an agent. And as long as the agent doesn't get it, then it's not considered spying, so they say. So they'll send all your stuff through a supercomputer, and the supercomputer crunches it, and – 
Voila, if the supercomputer doesn't deem you a terrorist, then you're okay. But if the supercomputer thinks that you're a terrorist and sends it to an agent, then the agent actually just wiretapped you. So, complete violation of the Fourth Amendment. This is what the founders were worried about. Everybody says that, oh, well, they didn't know what kind of technology. Well, they understood that if you spy on your own citizens, then you're not a free society. It's that simple. What are they spying for? What, what, what are they they're trying to catch terrorists? There's been multiple articles saying that they've never once has any of this data that has ever been trafficked through the NSA, has it ever been pushed and had any resolution to catching terrorists. And then you've got people like Clapper that sit up there and um, and say that, uh, you know, well, we're not doing this stuff. And I'm actually looking for my Clapper clip right now. And so, you know, that's, this is the kind of stuff that you're dealing with. You have to understand that it's not just, well, I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to worry about. No, they're getting everything, dude. They're getting everything. If you... You thought you were going to be funny one night and send a picture of your, your, your genitals to one of your friends? Yeah, they got that. So enjoy that. They've got everything. Anything that has probably happened in the last 12 years, they've got it. Since the telecommunications back in 1999, when was that? So 15 years ago? 15 years of data, everybody. Here's the clapper clip, though. This is the uh, director of the NSA openly lying to the public. Once again, he, he's in government, so he can't get in trouble. This is a joke. You guys are citizens that aren't pissed about this stuff. You guys are jokes. We have to get past this. You guys have got to come back to reality and understand that you're all being spied upon. You're all guilty until proven innocent. The TSA is not there to protect you. It's there to, for prisoner training to get you guys all acclimated to all this crap, getting used to being violated, and you guys will just muddle through and go, well, you know, it wasn't me. And then you're going to see somebody get black bagged one day, and you're going to go, whew. Glad that wasn't me. We should have a T-shirt that says America, and then on the back of it say, whew, at least it's not me, because that's the mentality that you have. You have to break with your conditioning. You have to understand that we're in a lot of trouble, that the Trans-Pacific Partnership and all these other trade agreements will destroy the sovereignty of this country. And if you don't know what that means, then whew, buckle your seatbelt. If you thought you don't have any rights to know, you wait until they can sue one of the companies that you work for in an international tribunal and basically destroy anything that that company's ever stood for. So get ready. It's a lot of fun. Sounds like a good time. The bankers love it. Corporations are meeting in secret. You know, government has no oversight of it. You're not allowed to look at it. Government's not allowed to see it. They're not allowed to take notes. It's got to be a good deal. Here's James Clapper openly lying to you, and you guys just... Lay down and take it. Not me. I'm speaking out. I go and protest. Do what I can. Interact with my fellow human beings. And what else can we do, everybody? But you have to get some kind of – you have to take some kind of responsibility for your actions and some kind of responsibility for the shape that our nation's in. Otherwise, we're all going to lose our freedoms, and it's going to be horrible. And it's not going to happen slow. It will happen very rapidly. Because we're at the tail end of this thing. This stuff's been going on for years. People have been screaming about it for years. Yours truly has been screaming about it for two and a half years. Actually, it'll be two, almost, I think it'll be three years. Wow. In February. So anyway, here's James Clapper. Openly lying to you. You guys buy it. He's a good guy. He's got a nice suit on. Just, just one, Madam, Madam Chair, and I, I thank you. And just for you, Director Clapper, again on the surveillance front. And I hope we can do this in just a yes or no answer, because I know Senator Feinstein wants to move on. Last summer, the NSA director was at a conference, and he was asked a question about the NSA surveillance of Americans. He replied, and I quote here, the story that we have millions or hundreds of millions of dossiers on people is completely false. The reason I'm asking the question is, having served on the committee now for a dozen years, I don't really know what a dossier is in this context. So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly. Oh, not wittingly. There are cases where they could inadvertently perhaps... Uh, collect, but not not wittingly. Oh, 
Thank so you. Like I'll have that, additional questions to give you in writing on that point, but I thank So in that giant dragnet that we're hearing about right now through The Guardian, the NSA collects millions of text messages daily in an untargeted global sweep. So inadvertently, in that millions of text messages, we probably grabbed your penis pics. Nor we probably grabbed pictures of you and your girlfriend, you know, on the beach. Ah, it was inadvertent. Sorry, guys. We inadvertently completely invaded your privacy. But it's no big deal. You're keeping them safe from the terrorists they run. Everything's fine. Come on. Come on, man. Listen. We're just going to be serious, Air Force. Everything's going to be everything's going to be goodies. It's just is absolutely sick. This is sick. So let's get into the article here by The Guardian. The uh, NSA collects millions of text messages on a daily sweep of untargeted global sweep. NSA extracts location, contacts, and financial transactions. Oh, how nice. Um, Dishfire program, which um, he doesn't actually get into, but uh, he gets into a couple others that are pretty fancy. Sweeps through pretty much anything that it can. Yeah, that's what he says. Is they basically grab anything that they can grab, refrigerator data, you name it, they grab it. Yeah, guys, uh, the new refrigerators and the new dishwashers, um, they've got uh, chips in them. Yeah. And they can listen to you, but everything's fine. This is my 1984 or anything, I promise. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and Google that uh, while I'm reading the rest, after I read the rest of this and play this next clip from Obama. Completely contradicting himself, but what else is new? The National Security Agency has collected almost 2 million text messages a day across the globe, including them extracting from data location, contact networks, credit card details, according to top-secret documents. The untargeted collection and storage of SMS text messages, including their contacts, is revealed in a joint investigation between The Guardian and the UK's Channel 4 based on material provided by the NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. And we still have questions about who Edward Snowden is, but... At least some of this stuff's getting out to the sheeple. Welcome to the world, everybody. You're a digital slave. The documents also revealed that the UK spy agency, C, um, or excuse me, GCHQ, has been made up the NSA database to search the metadata of the untargeted and unwarranted communications belonging to the people in the UK. The NSA program, codenamed Dishfire, collects pretty much everything it can, according to the GCHQ documents, rather than merely storing the communications for existing surveillance targets. Yeah, because that would actually make sense. And what, what's really frustrating about this, people, is that I've been in the telecom industry for about four years, and I understand that all they would have to do on some of this stuff is just encrypt the data, and then once you have, once you have a warrant for it, not through the FISA court, like an actual warrant, then go through and un encrypt it. Then everybody's happy, but you know what? Nah, it's just... It's much easier just to steal everything. It's just easy. Just throw in the blanket. Just put a big net over it. Everything's cool. Continuing, the NSA made extensive use of the vast text messaging database, extracting information on people's travel plans, contact books, financial transactions, and more, including individuals with no suspicion of illegal activity. Yeah, because you're all guilty until proven innocent. And it goes on from there. And I'm not going to bring into all the details, but... Once again, I'm going to post all these links on the website after we're done, so enjoy, everybody. Now let's move into um, our good friend Obama. Speaking of the NSA, so Obama was a critic of the NSA spying back in 2005, I believe, when he was a senator. And he talked about, as most good politicians do, say whatever you need to say to get elected. He talked about how it was, um, it was unwarranted and that we needed to do everything that we could. And then in 2007, he said that he would give them all the tools. I'll just go ahead and play the clip for you guys, and then you can, um, you can go ahead and I'll break down the article after this. So here we go. On a fishing expedition through every personal record or private document, through the library books that you read, mm -hmm. the phone calls that you've made, the emails that you've sent, this legislation gives people no rights to appeal the need for such a search in a court of law. No judge will hear your plea. No jury will hear your case. This is just plain wrong. I will provide our intelligence and law enforcement agencies with the tools they need to track and take out the terrorists without undermining our Constitution and our freedom. That means no more illegal wiretapping of American citizens. Hmm. No more national security letters to spy on citizens who are not suspected of a crime. Hmm. 
No more tracking citizens who do nothing more than protest a misguided war. Hmm. No more ignoring the law when it is inconvenient. Mm -hmm. That is not who we are. Really? It's not what is necessary to defeat the terrorists. I came in with a healthy skepticism about uh, these programs. Hmm. My team evaluated them. We scrubbed them thoroughly. We actually expanded some of the oversight, increased some of the safeguards. But my assessment and my team's assessment hmm. uh, was that they help us prevent terrorist attacks. Are you? Some people say, well, you know, Obama was this raving liberal before. Now he's, you know, Dick Cheney. Dick right. Cheney sometimes <laughs> says, yeah, you know, he took it all lock, stock, and barrel. My yeah. concern has okay. always been not that we shouldn't do intelligence gathering to prevent terrorism, but rather are we setting up a systems of checks and balances? Um, to answer your own question, no. And putting you over it and saying, trust me, <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I seriously have woken up the twilight zone. Listen, guys, I'm not going to sign the NDAA, okay? I'm not going to do it. Listen, I'm not going to put a provision in there that says that I can secretly arrest you and black bag you. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Oh, wait, we actually wrote that in there. And then I signed it on, you know, January 1st while everybody's popping champagne, completely distracted. This is what terrifies me. This guy just, he has no consistency. Look, I don't mind if you're a politician. If you're a, if you're a raving, you know, totalitarian nut job, I don't care. At least I know what you're going to do. This guy, we got no clue. We have no clue what he's going to do, which is actually my next article. But um, I'm going to go ahead and read you a little bit of this uh, excerpt from, um, let's see, the New York Times. Uh, so take, take it for what it's worth. As a young lawmaker, de uh, Barack Obama defined himself um, – excuse me. Uh, as a young lawmaker defining himself as a presidential candidate, Barack Obama visited the Center for Scholars in 2007 to give a speech on terrorism. He described the surveillance state run amok and vowed to rein it in. This means, uh, and then it goes on to the quotes I just played you. More than six years later, one-time constitutional lawyer, now commander-in-chief, presiding over the surveillance state that uh, some of his advisors think once again has gotten out of control. On Friday, he gave another speech. This time the, at the Justice Department, defending government spying, saying even as he adjusted or as he adjusted to address the wave of public concern over civil liberties, a journey between two speeches reflects the transition from the benchmark of the United States Senate and the chair between or, and behind the resolute desk of the Oval, Oval Office. Like other presidents before him, the idealistic candidate, skeptical of government power, found in tricky trade-offs and national security, looks different in the person in charge of that power to ensure public safety. Aside from, aside, excuse me, Aide said that even as a senator, Mr. Obama supported robust surveillance as long as it was legal and appropriate, and the president still shares concerns about the overreach expressed years ago. But they said that his views have been shaped and strikingly to a striking degree by the relativity of waking up every day in the White House, being responsible for heading up a myriad of threats, which he finds in his daily intelligence briefings. Like the Al-Qaeda forces that we fund in Syria. Like those. He said, when you get a package every morning and it pulls the steel in your spine, said David pull off the president's longtime advisor. There are people out out there every day who are plotting the no see this is all just fear mongering crap. Of course there's people out there every day plotting against governments. I mean what what kind of planet do you think we live on? I mean, why does everybody have to shake in fear because you're you have a you have, you're eight times more likely to get killed by a honeybee than you are to be killed by a terrorist. You're nine times more likely to be killed by a cop than you are by a terrorist. So why is this all – it's just – it's it's the war on terror. Just We're going to take your rights, and we're going to build up a surveillance state and make tons of money, and you guys are going to love it because you're a bunch of sheep. You have no self-awareness anyway. 
The notion that we would put down a tool that would protect people here in America is hard to fathom. Oh, come on with this crap. See, now you guys have been caught with your pants down. You're spying on everybody for no apparent reason. People are spying on their significant others openly in the NSA. And now you've got to just put this big whitewash out like you guys are really doing something. When the FBI runs 90% of all the terrorist activity in America, I'm going to actually Google that. I can't remember how much it was. Yeah, FBI runs most of the terrorists. Where is that? Okay, there we go. Yep. Uh, I think it was about 73%. I'll find the article and link it on my website. I'm not going to go search through it on the on live on the air. That's kind of crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, so most of the time the FBI will find some jacked-up nobody, will convert him into radical Islam, will cook up a bomb for him, give him instructions, turn him loose, and then bust him, and then say, we caught a terrorist. Ta-da! It's, um, it's pretty interesting. It's actually... Um, Pretty crazy. So anyway, moving on to our um, our president abroad, his or his excuse me, his um, appearance abroad, senior UK defense minister Obama is clueless about what he wants to do in the world. Now he he pretty much knows what he wants to do here locally. It's just the American people are starting to really pay attention now, and you can't just go and start you know missling people. We did that with Libya and you know in Egypt. But now America's kind of like, wait a minute, come on, man. We've been in wars for what, like 40 years? Can we just stop like blowing people up? No, but that's our, you know, that's our, that's our gig, man. That's how we make money. Got those no bid contracts. Got to keep them running. It says, um, uh, Sir Harris Schenner, or Sechner, excuse me, an expert of the history of war, says the president's strategic failures in Afghanistan and Syria have crippled America's position in the world. Uh, President Obama chronicled incapable of military strategy and falls short of his predecessor, George Bush, according to one of the British's most senior military advisors. Um, Schreitzman, Schreitzman, I guess that's how you pronounce that, an advisor to the chief of defense and told the Daily Beast that the United States and Britain were guilty of two of total strategic failure in Iraq and Afghanistan. But you know what, guys? Those are always money pits if you study history, those two areas. Well, Iraq, we went in there for a completely different reason. But uh, Afghanistan's always a money pit, and you nobody ever wins there. Nobody ever wins. The Russians didn't win there. I mean, come on. But we're different. We got tanks, said Adolf Hitler as he went into Russia. Anyway, and Obama's attempts to intervene on behalf of Syria's rebels has left – them in the worst position than they were before. So here comes the more selling, even abroad, of the fact that we're probably going to have to go in with the next president into Iraq to, once again, get the al-Qaeda forces that, that, we, that we fund, train, and then turn loose on the world. And, um, yeah, so this is just awesome. Brzezinski talks about that in his books, by the way. Talks about how we fund and train the terrorists and we run all the drugs to... You know, to mitigate risk, but whatever. You would actually have to read stuff to understand that. That's amazing. The extraordinary <coughs> extraordinary critique and the leading advisory of the United States' closest military aid comes days after Obama undermined uh, undermined by the, the former Defense Secretary Gates, who questioned the president's foreign policy decisions and claimed he was deeply suspicious of the military. Hmm. Yeah, because um, the military is kind of getting the deal now. Wait a minute, so we're going to train the guys in Jordan, and then we're going to release them into Syria, and then we're going to go into Syria to get the guys that we trained? Just trying to get my head around this. Yeah, see, the military's smart, man. I, I don't envy you guys, but man, it's getting this is getting bonkers. I mean, it's like, it, it's like they think that we can't read, and we can't, like, decipher things. Like we have a one-track mind, and it's football. Not, not everybody, everybody. Okay, continuing... Citrus, the current member of the defense staff and the strategic advisory panel, cited crazy, quote, and cited the quote-unquote crazy handling of the Syria crisis as the most egregious example of the fundamental collapse of military planning that had begun in the aftermath of 9-11. 
It says in quote also, if anything has gone backwards instead of forwards, Obama seems to be almost chronically incapable of doing this. Bush may have had total with total fanatical political objectives in terms of trying to fight the global war on t- oh, total fanatical, excuse me, totally fanatical political objectives by trying by terming of trying to fight the global war on terror, which is inherently a, a, a strange, or excuse me, a strategic. But at least he had a clear sense of what he wanted to do in the world. So I guess he's kind of patting you know Bush on the back, like yo. You went crazy and went after a bunch of nukes that weren't there, but, you know, at least you knew what you were doing and you were committed. It's really weird. Obama has no sense of what he he wants to do in the world. So after butchering that article, you guys can read it on the site later. I don't want to go into any more great detail on that because we still got some more stuff to get into. Like how about this? Speaking of war, doesn't this sound like fun? And this is coming out of Breitbart News. Worldview, China threatens military seizure of South China Sea from the Philippines. Okay. If anybody knows anything about two countries in the world, these are two things that you really, really want to get through your noggin. China and Russia typically don't bluff. America bluffs all the time. We bluff all the time. That's what we do. Hey, we'll point guns at you. We got a lot of them. We got missiles. We'll blow up the earth. And everybody just kind of goes, okay, you guys are crazy. But when China and Russia say things, you might want to start paying attention. So, here's where we have the funsies. Up until recently, the Vietnamese policy has been very unclear, or has been very careful avoiding offending China, even to the point where they're setting up security forces to crush any civilian anti-Chinese protests. However, Vietnam apparently has completely reversed its policy. The occasion, the occasion and the anniversary of the naval clash between the South, China, South Vietnamese and the Chinese naval forces of 1974, China's superior naval power crushed the Vietnamese forces, and the Chinese seized the small partial islands controlled by Vietnam and occupied by them ever since. For 40 years, Vietnam has never mentioned the battle for fear it was offending China. See, once again, they know, don't poke the bear. But America pokes everybody. We're we're absolutely nuts when it comes to foreign policy. We're crazy. It's not even included in the modern history books. Well, shocker. Probably, definitely not in the Rockefeller history books. Um, continuing now, however, Vietnam's state media is now publicly marking the event by printing numerous articles on the subject. Now describing how the islands were taken by China by force, by by the by the heroic actions of the Vietnamese sailors. <laughs> Public meetings have been held to commemor- commemorate the battle, and there have been calls to recognize the martyrdom of the fallen soldiers who offered the support for their families. The highly nationalistic policy change in the Vietnam government comes just a few days after China demanded foreign fishing vessels ask permission from China's military before fishing in the shallow China Sea. God, these guys are such bullies. Something that, something that infuriated the Vietnamese, who at the very least claim that they have much right to fish in the South China Sea, as China does. Yeah, of course, but you know they got a bigger stick than you do, so you better watch out. Things have really changed rapidly in the last few months, and China has now threatened military action with Japan over the um, the Sendaku Islands, Sendaku and Danyo Islands, and the Japanese nationalism has surged. Yeah, this is this is getting crazy. America probably doesn't have any clue. Like the the average American has no clue that war could probably break out or an invasion could probably break out at any time over in Asia. No clue. This is this is crazy. Nationalism is sharply increased in the Philippines and Vietnam. For for years we've been reporting on the vastly increased nationalism in China, especially among the younger generations. Yeah, completely brainwashed like Americans, uh, tending to uh, with tensions growing throughout the region, and it would um, take much for an incident or miscalculation to spiral into a large military confrontation. Yay. Okay. So anyway. I'm going to let you guys read the rest of that by yourselves as well. So we've got a couple more articles to get to, and then we're going to be... um, Oh, I do want to hit this portion of the article. This is kind of crazy. 
China tests its hypersonic missile vehicle. Doesn't that sound like fun? China's military on January 9th tested an ultra-high, excuse me, a new ultra-high-speed missile aimed at delivering warheads too quickly for the U.S. military defense to respond. Yay, doesn't that sound like fun, everybody? The new weapon was dubbed the W-14 by the Pentagon, which is probably we're screwed in 14 by the Pentagon. Military advantages in the hypersonic craft include the precise targeting of very rapid delivery of weapons and and a greater survivability against missile and air defense spaces. General... uh, Generalization Dynamics predicted, or uh, General Dynamics, excuse me, they they butchered that. General Dynamics predicted that China is rapidly and aggressively preparing for preemptive war against the United States, which I have a friend in the um, in the Air Force who's actually um, getting out of the Air Force now. He's a um, family friend, actually, he's a family member. But um, he and I talked about this two years ago that China was building planes at a rapid rate, and he was getting scared. So. Not the fearmonger, you know. No, once again, no Alex Jones, no nukes going off in Russia or anything like that. But legitimate intel from a um, a legitimate and respected uh, Air Force. Uh, I don't even know what his rank is anymore. Anyway, as we reported on a number of occasions, China is laugh- rapidly preparing new missile systems for an attack with a maximum surprise and maximum striking force against American cities. Yeah, and they actually showed like. Um, I think I reposted it on Facebook. They had a, um, they had, um, they had little pictures of where their new targets were, and I'll put that in the, um, I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, once again, not trying to fear monger, just letting you guys know that China's a bunch of crazy people, and um, that entire region is in turmoil, and they own all of our debt or a lot of our debt, and um, they're starting to figure out that we can't pay them. So they're going to just, I guess, try to conquer land, whatever. And the Chinese have been known to do this in history. They will just sit back and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then as soon as we become bankrupt, they're either going to come in and buy everything off or they're just going to come point guns at us. So either way, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. America's defenses have been weakened in the recent years because of defense cutbacks. And the massive release of secret information by Edward Snowden have left America's defenses completely exposed. Hmm. I really don't see how that's possible, but whatever. On Wednesday, China confirmed the test of the hypersonic missile delivery vehicle that claimed that it was a scientific test, not a military test. Oh. So we're just seeing if we can blow you guys up. That's all it is. Yeah, yep. Everything checks out. We can blow you guys to crap. Good deal. Let's go have lunch. All right, moving on. Um, China mobilizes 100,000 troops in preparation for Korean Peninsula crisis. And this is at InfoWars and Paul Joseph Watson. I, um, everybody else, I kind of um, take their... Um, I usually take their, once again, intel with a grain of salt. But uh, Paul Joseph Watson is married to a, um, a Chinese citizen. So he um, is actually reporting on what uh, China says in their public papers and their state-run media. So... Here comes the article. Get ready to have fun. Sorry this is a really depressing podcast, but I got some good stuff coming up um, here in the last 10 minutes, so I'm going to tell you guys about what uh, what happened to me today and what's, uh, what's happening in the future, and it will be a, a lot of fun. So anyway, once again, China mobilizes 100,000 troops in preparation for the Korean Peninsula crisis. PLA source says number of troops involved are usually, is unusually rare. Hmm. In what the PLA sources described as unusually high figures, China has mobilized 100,000 troops to take part in a border exercise as part of preparations for a Korean Peninsula crisis. Once again, everybody's going broke at the same time, um, on purpose, by the way, um, by the central bankers. And now we're um, doing the same thing we did in World War One. so everybody line up for some big wars. It's going to be a lot of fun. God, I hope you guys start reading some history books, especially read Tragedy and Hope. Once again, free on the website under books you should read. Free PDF. Although it's missing a section or two, uh, you get the broad swath of it, and um, yeah, it'll change your it'll change your perspective. So anyway, 
that's my plug for my website today. Uh, the drill is a normal military exercise to train soldiers in how to fight in winter and long-range conditions, according to the state-run Chinese Central, uh, China Central Television, CCTV. However, a source of the People's Liberation Army said that it is very rare to see 100,000 military personnel mobilized for a regular exercise. The 39th Army has just completed its Iron Flow 134 exercise in the region late this year, the source added, and reports the Want China Times. The exercises have been launched in response to an ex- executive of Young Shang Shi, the former chairman of the North Korean Defense Commission, which caused which caused consternation in in Beijing because Zheng has been seen as a trusted mentor between a trusted mediator, excuse me, between Korea and China, taking place just 220 kilometers away from North Korea's um, special administrative region. The drills are designed to show the force uh, that China can exert and influence over the troubled region. As we have highlighted in a number of occasions, Beijing aggressive military posturing has infested, has um, excuse me, intensified over the last couple of months. Earlier this week emerged um, reports out of state-run media suggesting that China was set to attack the Filipino-occupied Guana Islands and Beijing determined to seize the island by force by part of a skirmish that could inflame the entire South China Sea, which I talked about just a second ago. The lengthy editorial, which appeared in the Chinese state-run, last, state-run media last month, explained how the Chinese military current reformation process was part of the move for President Jinping to prepare for the People's Liberation Army for war in response to U.S. aggression in the Asia-Pacific, which developments have been prompted major changes in Chinese or China's national strate- excuse me, national security situations. Amidst tensions over the disputed islands, um, Beijing has aimed some of its siren rhetoric at the United States, bragging about China's ability to check the United States bases in the Western Pacific, as well as releasing a map, as I talked about before, showing the locations of major U.S. cities and how they could be impacted by a nuclear strike from the PLA's strategic submarine force. So there you go. That is your world news in about 15 minutes. So conflicts abroad, as it typically goes in history, as soon as um, currencies start becoming devalued and you start having trade wars. So, And that's where we're at currently. We are currently at trade wars. So what do you know? Here come the real wars. But we can stop it, as we did with... Um, as we did with with the Syrian attack, but we have to make sure that uh, as independent um, individuals and independent people here in this great country that we have to, and not to say this country is so great now, but we got a lot of great people here and a lot of people that know what's going on. We have to stand up and make our voices heard because if we don't, we are going to go down a very, very um, dark, dark path which, once again, I don't have an underground sea vault, and I don't have an underground bunker, so if we get a nuclear fallout situation, I'm probably toast, and so are you. So it would behoove you to learn uh, a little bit of geopolitics, find out what I'm talking about if you don't already know, and um, keep tuning into the broadcast, and I'll try to give you crash courses when I can, and explain some of the situations in the news behind the news and why things are happening the way that they are. Typically, when you see things like that, uh, especially uh, war, famine, those types of things, it's um, typically over money. And it's very, very simple. Once again, I refer to you to Tragedy and Hope, and you will understand what I'm talking about. <clears throat> All right, so for the last 11 minutes, I want to talk about my experience today. Um, I am going to be interviewing in the in the very near future, probably in the next couple of weeks, a, um, a gentleman that runs a hyperbaric chamber um, clinic. Now, I met this guy in a very weird situation. It was when I was um, working for an organization called National Write Your Congressman, trying to get people more politically involved. And um, 
giving them the tools to become more politically involved easier, which um, in today's, um, I guess, what's the best way to describe it? Apathetic society, it was a, it was a very difficult sell. So you see all types of people, ran into this guy, and he had pictures all over his wall of, um, of just um, basically everybody. On one side, he had a bunch of athletes, and you know, I, I was I was a um, football fan before I got involved in you know geopolitics. Before I became a reality fan, I was a big fan of sports. And on the other side, he had a bunch of just regular people with um, little paragraphs by him, and talking about the treatment that they were giving, and they were giving um, uh, basically hyperbaric chamber treatment to these people and the diseases that they had and the strides that they made and so on and so forth. So after um, a couple of months, and I haven't been there for a while, and um, stumbled stumbled across this card, so I gave the guy a call, and I wanted to um, to bring him on the show, and you know, and had an opportunity to go out there and sit down with him today. Showed me his um, his uh, his clinic, gave me a little background on who he was, but I'll let him explain all that stuff to you. But um, spent about three hours out there, and what a fascinating fascinating group. Of not only individuals, but uh, a fascinating person, uh, much like myself, who just really has a genuine care for other people and a care for humanity. That's um, that's really nice to see, and it kind of keeps me motivated that there's people like me out there that do this stuff not because I want uh, fame and recognition or anything like that. I just want to live in a better society. I want to have a chance. I want my daughter to have a chance. I want us to have a great society. I want us to go to the stars. I mean, Jesus, with all the technology we have, if these guys weren't suppressing all this technology and keep, you know, destroying people that make incredible inventions that are going to rival their, you know, their oil-producing, um, gas-guzzling cars, then we'd probably already be at the stars. But I think that it's only our job as citizens to get the people that are aware that, hey, technology like this, this other stuff did really exist, and these people got murdered, and all their stuff got destroyed for it, and it's been documented, and you know people have told their story, but you've never heard it. And now with the internet, there's no reason for you not to have heard something. So that's why I try to create my show and, and bring you the off-mainstream stuff, the story behind the story, and give you links and, and make it very simple for you. To once again um, to branch out if you want to explore it, and then you have an opportunity to. If you don't, and it's not something that you're really into, then you know, take it for what it will. It's just a piece of information, and it's probably not going to make you dumber. So it's not like sitting there and getting propagandized by, um, you know, Kim and Kanye or whatever the hell you watch, or Honey Boo Boo or something like that. So anyway, back to the um, to the story. So. The gentleman and I sat down today, and we had an incredible conversation. Um, we're going to get into everything, uh, the treatments he's had and success he's had with um, all kinds of diseases, um, getting people to um, to heal faster, um, what, the, what the chamber does, how it affects your body. And what I thought was the most important was the, the medical aspect of it and, and how long this technology has been around. And how long this has been considered medicine. It's one of the earliest forms of medicine, you know, as we were talking. So we'll get into the history of it. Modern applications, specific applications, and then success stories from him. Because I could have sat there all day and talked to this. But I have a, um, a four-week-old baby that's actually being really quiet right now, so I can't jinx that. But... Um, it was just extremely exciting for me to see somebody like that, somebody that um, that really has a genuine care and um, that does things the right way and for the right reasons. Because I think that's all what we want as as human beings, except for the psychopaths and sociopaths that run our governments and you know and 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 mega corporations. You know those people don't have any empathy, and that you know for that I feel really sad for them. I have extreme empathy, and that's what kind of, I guess, separates me from your average Joe Schmo on the street. It's that um, I feel bad for everybody, I, I, and that's why I do this, because it's not just about me getting up here and talking about what, what I feel. I feel bad for everybody. I feel bad for people with kids. I feel bad for people that don't know the intel. And I try to guide them to the site and just say, hey, check it out. I mean... What's it going to hurt? You're going to listen to a guy talk, and he's probably going to talk about things you don't understand. 
And if you don't really want to understand or if you don't really want to know, that's okay. But hopefully I'm going to say something in this one hour that's going to make you go, wait, what? And that's all I want. I just want you to think. Remember, I'm all about knowledge. I'm all about wisdom because knowledge becomes wisdom only when shared. So if you have something to give, if you have some kind of knowledge to give, by all means, give it. Message me. If you guys have things that you want to talk about or if you have if you have certain areas or aspects of life that you want me to specifically talk about that I haven't talked about before or I have talked about and I've done a show on and you guys would like to hear more, um, message me through the website or um, you can simply email me at uh, wearenotcattle.net or excuse me, yeah, you can email me at uh, wearenotcattle@gmail.com. So the avenues are there. Let's get together as a human race, as a human population, as an individual group, and and try to make change. Using me as the vessel, I guess, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want the dialogue to start. I want the dialogue to stop being about honey boo boo. Of course, there's going to be about 60% of the population that's going to really care about that stuff. And they're going to get sucked into popular culture because they were conditioned. I mean, you can't fault them. You know, they went through, they went through what, 1,500, 15,000 hours of of public schooling to position or, you know, to basically condition them to be incredible consumers. And they're really good at being consumers. Doesn't mean that they're bad people. It's just that they haven't seen what's, what's really going on. The reality of the fact that what they're, that little cell phone that they have in their hand that they upgrade every couple of years, they never stop to ask the question, where does this stuff come from? They don't know that the lithium and the gold and all the other precious metals that are in that piece of equipment are, are, are mined by slaves out of the Congo. They don't know that. They don't know these things. It doesn't make them bad people. And if they don't want to know, or if they're presented with the information and then they go and join it, then that makes them a bad person. You know, people like Alan Greenspan that used to hang out with, that used to hang out with Ron Paul all the time, and then he went and started working for the internationalists. I mean, those are sellouts. That's your sellout. Glenn Beck, people like that, whatever. I wouldn't trust Glenn Beck as far as I can throw him. But the guy does know how to act. He does. He's even said it himself. He's an actor. So, granted, he's starting to make... Maybe he's maybe he's come full circle. I don't know. But I don't really care about other people in, in, in those little segments. I mention them because, you know, I guess they're popular with a certain demographic, but... I was hoping that, you know, maybe that you could go with somebody that's genuine. Somebody that didn't go from morning shock jock to CNN to Fox to late night Fox to running his own show. Maybe you won't fall in love with somebody like Alex Jones at Ransom Raves and talks about how um, big nukes are going to go off or, you know, something's going to happen every couple of weeks. It's not that I don't dig Alex's show. It has its place and its time. It does It does really well for for people that are in in a trance to get woken up to the fact that, you know, life's getting kind of crazy and you might want to start paying attention. But um, some of his intel that he's, you know, that he's pushed over the past has been grossly inaccurate and then um, then he doesn't re-harp on it. So just wanted some... I just... Dude, I just want reality. I just want some semblance of reality. That's it. And I think that if you listen to my show, that's what we all want. We all want to have a good idea of what's going on and and then just try to put ourselves in position to to not be destroyed by a bunch of global retards, you know, the internationalists. Um, that's it for the show, everybody. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, tune in next Tuesday. Uh, I'll give you guys some more updates. I'll probably have the gentleman on um, uh, the week after next. So. Um, Hopefully, I'll have chatted with him by then. We'll have a date and time ironed out. Also, uh, another interview with Lee Camp coming down the pipe, probably the first part of February. So look forward to that. Um, you know, once again, two two people that want to expose what's really going on out there. Even though we come from different um, philosophical positions, we can still come together and try to give you guys some knowledge and uh, hopefully give you some humor at the same time. So um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Um, share the podcast with the people you know, people you like, and if you want to start a dialogue with somebody, this is a great place to start. Non-intrusive data, just telling you the way that it is and the way that I see it and giving you some jumping off points where you can expand your consciousness and try to um, try to make the world a better place for everybody that lives here. So um, 
Once again, go to the website, wearenotcattle.net. That's it for the show, everybody. Tune in Tuesday. We'll see you 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everybody. Oh, oh, you, 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 you.